नमस्ते एंड वेलकम आई एम जयनील दलाल एंड यू आर लिसनिंग टू द डिजाइन एम बी ए विच इज अ रियल लाइफ एम बी ए फॉर डिजाइनर्स यू विल लर्न हाउ टू लॉन्च साइड हसल एंड लेवल अप योर डिजाइन करियर फ्रॉम इंटरव्यूज विद रॉक स्टार डिजाइनर्स फोक्स देर वॉचिंग और ट्यूनिंग इन और लिसनिंग टू दिस एपिसोड टूडेज अमेजिंग गेस्ट इज बैन हगिन्स सो लेट मी टेल यू वाई आई गॉट सुपर एक्साइटेड to reach out to Ben and get him on the show. So, I think on LinkedIn when I was going through my feed, I saw this article about taking a career break. And it was written by Ben. And Ben has actually worked at some of the very famous companies that you probably heard of and you've actually used their products. He's worked at YouTube, he's worked at Nest. I personally like use both of them. So I love them. So he's worked at them and many other companies and then he wrote this article that really resonated with so many people that in our industry as designers everyone keeps on working and it's kind of like a little bit of a taboo to like just take a sabbatical or take a break how do you explain that to hiring managers recruiters and when i read ben's article i really resonated with it so i created a loom video sent it to him and you know he was willing to come on the show so i'm super excited ben that you're here with us thank you so much for coming on the show Thanks Janelle, it's nice of you to say and uh I got to appreciate the irony of coming on a show with uh the name MBA in the title and talking about not working. So, it's uh it feels very punk rock. I'm happy to be here and be contrary to the the standard flow. No, love that, man. And I think I've uh folks that are listening probably know the reason, but I'd like to tell you Ben, I was at a dilemma when I was either for me it was going to Stanford Design School or Stanford Business School and getting an MBA and dropping $200,000 or was it like Hey, let me just do it the cost-effective way and actually interview people who are doing this work on the field and learn from them. So, I chose the latter and decided to save a few bucks. That's awesome. Well, thanks. Uh, I appreciate you telling the stories to the community. I think it's a valuable service. So, let's like hit the elephant in the room. The narrative is that you keep on working, like one job after the other, just your resume's got to look or your LinkedIn profile's got to look like spotless meaning there's no break in between. So, let's say in June you end the job either june or july it's got to look like you started the next gig that's usually what i've seen in people's profile or people try to make it work like that and i'm kind of curious like what made you decide to take a career break it's a good question and you're totally right like i felt internally a lot of that pressure of like the way things are supposed to look it's funny how like just the visual of linkedin is such a proxy of like your career journey these days but you know i think a lot of it is kind of just these unspoken norms right like you mentioned what if it looks bad to a recruiter you mentioned kind of this like really tight trajectory of like i've worked at impressive places in the past and to tee it up for folks like you know i've been in the business for over 12 years working in tech you know kind of the same types of jobs sort of that logical progression through leadership and it was really hard for me to say you know what like I want to not only not jump to the next rung in the ladder but hang out and pause and reflect for a little bit. So that's what I did. I think the reason it was hard was I knew it was the right time was I kind of knew it was the right time to leave my previous job, not for any specific reason, like I had a great experience there, but you know, for all the reasons you kind of get to the end and say, "Okay, it's time for a new challenge." I noticed that nothing really grabbed me as the next opportunity. And I was like, "Okay, well, I could find the next best thing or I could take a moment to figure out what it is that would give me some energy." what criteria i want for moving into the next job and be a little bit more intentional about that and i think there's a lot of stigma against that i think that seems like an irresponsible choice to a lot of folks and frankly i should say i had like tremendous support i've got an amazing partner with she's a super boss at a different company so i had a lot of support anybody considering this 
Quick disclaimer, paying for insurance in the US here is very expensive if you've never calculated it out before. So I had some financial supports from her as well. Also had a little bit saved up, but it was just, you know, all the conditions were kind of right. I, I just had a, a little boy. So all the conditions were kind of right to say, hey, I'm going to take a minute, I'm going to reflect, and I could talk a lot more about that process. But that's kind of how I came into it. How long was that break for you? How long did you end up taking? I'll talk a little bit about how it wasn't, you know, it wasn't all sitting on the beach, <laughs> but uh, all in it was about seven months to give a little context. Yeah. That is amazing. And since it was like a seven month break, I mean, obviously you mentioned that you have a very supportive partner who's okay with it, but I'm assuming that when it went to the seven month mark, you also had like finances saved up for and stuff like accounted for in some way. Yeah. I mean, I feel really grateful. Obviously this isn't for anybody. I felt super grateful to have the opportunity to do this. Uh, I've been working a long time to have a little money saved up, but you know, I think often it's less about the actual savings and the structure and the support that you have. And it's more about the fear, right? I think less about the idea that, hey, I don't have money to make my next paycheck or uh, to make my next rent or all these things that are super important. And sometimes it translates a little bit more into this like abstraction of like, I feel like if I'm not making money, that's inherently bad and I won't be meeting my commitments. But sometimes you think about like taking a break and the missed income there like, what would you pay to be happy in your career, right? Like, could you think of it as an investment instead? So I could talk a lot more about that. But like, the biggest thing for me, finances aside, like, that's kind of the criteria for be- being able to make it happen. But I think a lot of designers, like, and, and frankly, in any career, a lot of our decisions get made sort of by accident or on our behalf, right? Sort of less intentionally. Think about like, a lot of people have this discussion about, should I be an IC or should I be a manager? And when folks first get asked to be a manager, it's like, oh, yeah, like, that seems like a promotion. That seems like a good direction. But oftentimes, some of these really big decisions in our career path or our lives, we don't have a minute to reflect and say, like, does this match up to my values? Does this match up to what I want to pursue? So, and it's not a bad thing to explore and roll with it and try some of these things. But a little bit of this thinking in advance had like huge dividends for me. It can help you kind of course correct in the big moments. You dropped so many nuggets of wisdom right there. And one of the things that grabbed my attention was that instead of viewing this as, hey, this is a missed opportunity for me to make money as a designer. It's more of like, hey, I'm investing in my happiness. And and further, how that happiness comes is by actually being meaningful and intentional about your career decisions. And and it's very hard to figure out like, hey, do you want to be a manager in IC over the weekend? I mean, you really need some time to contemplate, not just the IC or the manager path, but just in general, like where do you want to work? Where does this career is going to go? What do you want out of it? It takes some deep, deep introspection which makes me really curious about if you could describe your phase. Like, what was your day to day like when you were taking that uh, sabbatical or career break? Shall we call it? It's it's interesting. I I could could jump into the tactical. I mean, like, was it like there was a Monday? Okay, Monday's gonna be figuring out what is my career gonna look like. Tuesday's gonna be going to the mountain with my son, or Wednesday is gonna be dinner with the family, and Thursday's again back to figuring out what the career is, or it was just spontaneous. The reason I pause is because some of that is less interesting about like my day to day. And I think it's more about the discussion about, you know, what you should look for and why this is important and why it might be valuable. But the day to day, honestly, like is interesting because I started, as you might expect, I was kind of just exhausted. Like I know a lot of folks are burnt out, you know, have been working really hard for a long time. So I wanted to prototype the idea of leisure too. (laughs) So one of the things I did was kind of take a minute to decompress, right? Like, chill out, spend some time with family, which is amazing, you know, go adventure in the mountains a little bit, which is something I like to do. But, you know, pretty quickly, once you have that absence of a job, you have kind of this time freed up and you've 
decompress to kind of get back to op- normal operating level, whatever that is for you. I found an interesting thing happened where stuff that didn't really matter started to expand to fill up the time. And if you've heard about uh, Parkinson's law, the idea that whatever the task is expands to fit available time, it was stuff like doing the laundry or I, I was like fixing my dishwasher for a day <laughs> just because I could right? Because I didn't have to go into work. And all these little things, you know, just kind of chores around the house, little tactical things, answering email, like I answered every email so fast. And it was kind of just this idea that like, because I had the time, this was now my work, right? The things that were just kind of adjacent little chores became the thing that I did with my time. And it felt really good. Like it's super satisfying to be able to go and like, wash your car, right? And just be like, yeah, all right, got that done. And then it's done, which is sometimes not a type of immediate satisfaction we get from work. But what I realized over time was, These things in aggregate, where sometimes I use the metaphor of like eating Doritos, right? You just kind of like eat one little bit and it tastes good, you know, snack foods pop in and soon you're halfway through the bag. It's like, what did I, what did I just do? What did I accomplish? So it kind of felt like that as I was going on day by day, I was like, all right, I'm doing all this stuff that feels good in the moment, but I have no structure. I have no plan. And ultimately I'm not moving towards something that will be satisfying or rewarding, you know, because usually that's my job or side project or something like that. And these little things were kind of just taking up space. So. To answer your question about kind of the progress there, I just took a pause and says, okay, we need some structure. We need to figure out kind of a plan and a framework for moving ahead through this. So I can talk a little about that too, if you want. And right there, I'm going to take a pause because that's one of the fears that I have too. Is like when you take a career break, initially, it's amazing. You travel, you, you spend some time, but then the problem is like my butt's not on fire. So let's say, for example, if I'm working at a company and there's layoffs happening, my butt's on fire. Like I know this has happened. You know, I'm going to go through a sprint in a month. I'm going to update my portfolio, get all the things ready. And it's preparing me. I'll start the interview process. It's like, it's like the whole thing is accounted for. But then in this paradigm where you're taking a career break, there's really nothing to set my butt on fire. So and that's why I'm so curious to know about your structure because whoever's wanting to take a career break, they just are fearful, just like I am. Like if I take this career break, I just hope that I don't not do anything at all. It's not just kind of the the fire underneath, it's the framework for how you move ahead. Because just like you don't have that maybe driving force behind you, you don't, at least I didn't, I should say, have a framework for how do you exist in a time where you're taking time off work, right? How do you make that time meaningful and productive? I looked at a handful of things. I had kind of a handful of things that I tried and I drew on them from a bunch of different areas. Like the biggest thing, full stop, was just talking to people who I respect, especially folks who are designers, especially folks who have been through these types of things lots of experience and just asking them about their experiences, right? Getting tons of advice. I know that's it's not like an entirely novel strategy, but like it just really paid dividends. Did you know them from before or you just randomly reached out? For the most part, it was folks I had kind of already had an existing relationship or I had maybe a lightweight relationship with. And I reached out to say, hey, listen, I really admire you, respect your path. Like I'm in kind of an inflection point myself. Like, would you be willing to chat with me a little bit about just your experience, your journey, where you're at today? And that was... Like what a gift to get that from these folks. I really, it meant a lot and it was super valuable. So now you're getting serious about this framework, right? You're like, hey, I've had my fun time. Now I got to figure out like, what am I going to do? What is meaningful to me? And I want to know like, how does one figure out like what is meaningful to them? Is it like for you, was it like just spending some time in the mountains and letting that inspiration come to you? Was it like doodling? Was it these conversations? Like how did you come to realize that, hey, for my next opportunity, these are the things that matter to me? So some of it was thinking. Some people have this vision of, well, there's the relaxation part where you go sit on the beach. And then there's the thinking part where you kind of stare out the window, maybe with a cocktail, if that's your thing. 
And like these insights sort of just crystallize and you're just like, aha, okay, I found my calling and what I want to do. And like, I still don't know so much of that stuff. But what was really helpful for me was number one, advice from, from folks I respect. Number two was just exploring a bunch of resources that I honestly revisited from the past. So a few different books I'd recommend as you're going through this kind of thing, especially for designers. Foundation of it was this incredible book that I've read several times called Designing Your Life or Design Your Life, which is basically, it's written by Bill Burnett, Dave Evans. It's also based on the most popular course at Stanford in the D school. And they take design thinking and say like, okay, we, we solve all these gnarly product problems, but like, what's the like hairiest, ugliest problem of all? It's like figuring out my life and how I move through that. And so there's a lot of strategies in there. It's like, how do we define a problem, right? How do we think about possible concepts, like solutions for what I could do, especially with career? And then you go through and prototype these things. So for designers, it sounds familiar. And I'm guessing a bunch of y'all have already read this listening. But that was tremendous. And there's a bunch of really good exercises in there. Then I read some things that were more about creativity and just kind of thinking about what role that plays in your life. Like Austin Kleon has some great books there. James Victoria is like a little bit more of a kick in the ass. <laughs> uh, he's got a great book called Feck Perfection. And then I've revisited some stuff like, you know, like the classic Tony Robbins-y kind of, it's a little bit too much, but there's some good nuggets in there. So kind of just trying to get some things from different perspectives. And I can tell you a little bit about some of the tactics I pulled out of that, but just starting with those books, doing reading. And then actually the other side of it was I'd wake up every morning and write. And as I was reflecting on these things, instead of just having them kind of being passing thoughts, I was sure to, wherever I was at in this journey, just like make a ton of notes, right? Not structured. Sometimes I'd do an activity that I pulled out of one of the books, but just the ability to wake up this morning, have a fresh thought, go for it, kind of maybe connect some dots with some other things I'd written previous days was like a great way to kind of track and make progress against this. I'm relating to you on so many fronts because um, when I left my previous job at at and I took like almost, a, you could say, a year and a half or maybe a little bit less than that. You could say a career break. I mean, I was still doing some consulting, some other things. There's no like full-time job. And during that time, like you, I was taking, I do a lot of journal entries. So I would think about some random event from, you know, the previous company and it'd be like, oh, you know what? I don't like that. Or I do like that. And I started like just synthesizing all these things and some things became clear to me like, hey, that I, for one, do not like the commute, like going in traffic and that. I just hate it. Like I'm being going to be candid with you. I just hate it. And I realized that's a deal breaker for me. So remote, all in, like just remote has to be my next thing. Like that is very, very important to me. I also realized for me, I don't know if you call these values or not, what these are called, but these became like filters, if I may like to help me figure out what the next opportunity is. Another thing that was important to me was like, will the next company or opportunity be okay with side hustles? Like for example, like I have the podcast right now with you, like some are not okay with that. So it was very important for me to like know that, is that going to be an issue or not? And then the final thing that became clear to me was the work-life balance. Some companies, some high growth startups require you to put in like 50, 60 hours. Like, I mean, it's okay. But I realized that I do have other things that I do outside of work uh, side hustles and side projects. So work-life balance is very important for me. Otherwise, I'm going to burn out across all these fronts. So those were some things that I came to a conclusion. I'm kind of curious to know if you're okay sharing, like what were some of the things like that for you when you're thinking about your next opportunity? So I'll actually start with the distinction that you made between values uh, and some things that like might not quite align, like maybe almost more tactical things like attributes of your work life. I think that's like something that people miss a lot, right? Because you ask somebody, hey, what are you looking for your next gig? Like, some people will be as high level as like the trope of like, oh, I want to make the world a better place. I want to have high impact. That's great. But like, if you're only operating from that perspective, you're going to miss a whole lot of things that 
you know, find the right fit for you. So there's this one activity I did and it's got multiple different names. Sometimes I've heard it called the ideal average Tuesday or like the perfect average week or something like that. But as you might guess from the title, the exercise basically is to say, it's me, you know, a couple of years in the future. I've got my life situation in a good place. I wake up on a Tuesday. What do I do all day? Right. This is kind of my idealized, like, how exactly does it go? No constraints. You map it out. And you might say, like, I don't commute to the office, right? Because that's something that you'd nail tactically, but you might not think about when you're like, what kind of job do I want? And another part might be like, hey, I work on a side project for the morning. And then I tackle my day job in the afternoon or, you know, whatever that is, or spend time with my family. Like, it just brings in so many interesting, rich nuggets that you might leave out of like a, what do I want in a job kind of criteria? So I think that's a super interesting, powerful distinction. And that was huge for me. That is really mind blowing to me because you're right. Like, I mean, if I'm just focusing on, oh, I want to work at a company where I impact a billion users, then all these other attributes you mentioned, like spending time with the family in the afternoon or evening, that's not even factored in. Right. And at what cost, right? How do these things kind of weave together? And that is really the whole point, right? Because you could have the best, I mean, I'm going to run on a tangent a little bit here, but like I was talking to my friend last week, and they put it, so I wrote this whole article after reflecting. The reason I wrote the article was just to like help some people understand. It was all my notes from this like seven months of like condensing it, like hopefully some good stuff in there. And my friend turned to me the other day and says so concisely, way better than I wrote it, kind of the whole thesis of this, which is it's not about finding the best job, like not the most impressive job, not the best pay. It's about finding the best job for you, right? Because there's so many societal pressures, right? There's so much confusion of criteria of what makes like the best type of work that we end up in this situation where we kind of like anchor to the defaults or the easiest thing to measure, which is like, what's the title? What's the pay? Is it better than my last job? So that must be the best job for me. And in reality, that's so flawed for all the things we were just talking about. Like a lot of people sort of accept that without taking a closer look because it's the default. And it's not wise to like jump into a job that can't support your situation, whether that's rent or family or whatever we were talking about before with finance stuff, but there's no rule against it, right? Like there's nothing against taking a pay cut, right? We just kind of feel like we shouldn't. And oftentimes maybe it's not a great decision, but again, like what would you do if you had the best job in the world and you made 20% less? You'd probably be pretty excited about that. The second part of it is kind of about energy, right? It's like as much as like the objective criteria might align, you know, you need to find something that gives you that energy and maps really well to what makes you have a good day at work, so to speak, right? Like, and nobody taking a break sometimes feels like the answer and going to sit on the beach, but nobody gets energy from sitting on a beach. You might get replenished, but this whole idea of like, we as humans are hardwired to seek experiences that drive dopamine, that challenge us, that help us grow, that help us learn. And that has to be something that's not sitting on the beach, right? But the problem, the trap that a lot of people fall into is they conflate this idea of a new challenge with the next rung up on the job ladder, right? This job has a higher title, better salary, manages more people than I used to, whatever. And therefore, that is the way I should be challenging myself by kind of moving up by those objective criteria. But the reality is you can find that in a lot of places. You can find challenge all over. It doesn't have to be part of your work day, right? Or your title. So maybe you try something different. Or maybe you focus on a new area. Maybe you do something outside of work entirely, right? Like maybe you say, you know what? My job for right now is not going to be what challenges me. And I'm going to work on something outside of work that gives me that energy, that sense of growth, that dopamine. Like it's yours to figure out, right? That's what I kind of learned. Like literally this is 
like holy cow this is mind blowing on so many levels like <laughs> no like like so many things like you know just like the last sentence you said like hey maybe i don't want to be challenged in my job maybe there's things i want to do outside of my job that challenge me and having that honest conversation like i don't work at a fang i don't work at any of the famous companies that like you know like i don't but the people that i work with are amazing i get to do these other things i told you about which i think brings me more joy but I don't know if it's societal pressure or the narrative, what it is, but uh, I mean, you definitely feel like somebody from the outside looking at your career is like, oh, he's worked at YouTube. Oh, he's worked at Nest. Oh, he should definitely now be a, a design manager at Meta or something like that. Like just, you know, like building on top of that. How did you break from that, that pull? That would be my question to you. Like, cause people would be like, Hey, you should just do this now. It's real. Right. And all the subtle cues of the way that you interview and the type of people who reach out kind of reinforce this model of like, well, this is what you should be doing next. Thanks for letting me ramble too. You can tell I've been thinking a lot about this. I think the real core of it and definitely the biggest unlock for me and like going through this process is this idea of like just making time to stop and consider and reflect on the type of challenge you want and maybe some of the criteria like you were mentioning earlier. And sometimes, you know, for me, I'll share a personal example. I'm trying not to make this too much about me and more just about like things that were valuable. But if you like building stuff like I do, and you don't like sitting in meetings so much, like I don't, maybe management isn't right for you right now, right? I've had the chance to be a manager, but this most recent reflection process was, was like, you know what? I really just want to take the next time to build some stuff. And I want to have a little bit more flexible structure to my day where it's, you know, I have some focused time to build. And as much as manager would very easily get me not that I would very easily get the job, but like very clearly be the next step in you know the corporate ladder, so to speak. It's not what aligns with what I want to do right now. And just that realization, as, as much as it's fundamental and there's a lot more to it, it was really big. And frankly, a lot of people kind of were like, eh, maybe that's not a good idea. And I was like, no, I think it's what I want to do next. So, Wow, I love that. Oh my God. It's so hard when you know that there's this piece of cookie that's right there that's yours for the taking if you want it, but then you really don't want that cookie. And then the whole society is like, you should eat that cookie. It's right there for you. Why would you not want to eat it? We would eat it if it were you. And then <laughs> asking yourself, but no, I don't want that cookie. Because <laughs> there's super positive stuff about that. Like I have loved being a manager. I've loved my teams. I have tremendous respect for people who have been managers in the past, my managers, others. And it's frankly a really generous thing to do, right? So like that would be a great job. But having the foresight and the intention to say, just what do I want next, right? What's going to be the right shape of opportunity? And again, I'm talking about work in general, right? Maybe that's a job at a company. Maybe that's what you make. Maybe that's what you produce. But like, what's the right shape? And there are no rules about that. The first question I asked actually was, do I want to be a designer anymore? Because that's an important place to start from, right? I've done this, this job for a really long time. I love it. I've been successful with it, but it's not a constraint, right? Like, let's take a step back like we do in the design process and say, Biggest picture, what would kind of give me that sense of reward and fulfillment that I'm looking for and challenge. I am still a designer, spoiler alert, but. <laughs> so you figure these things out, like, hey, these are the things that are important to me in my next opportunity. So getting a little bit more tactical, now you got to like update your portfolio, right? You got to update your portfolio. You got to reach out to these folks that align with this opportunity that you're looking for or the things that you're looking for in the next opportunity. How long did that take or how did you go about doing that? Yeah. So I think it's pretty standard, to be honest. I don't think I had a super unique take, but you know, part of it was the thing I think that is interesting to kind of the framework of this conversation is it took time, right? Even though you had Google and Nest on your resume. 
Oh yeah, of course. No, I mean like that's a given for sure. Like I think when I coach designers on their portfolios, especially the first thing I say is like, this is so hard, right? Like this is one of the most difficult design challenges is to pull all your work together and basically brag about yourself, (laughs) which is not a natural tendency. And, and it's difficult. So that process really takes time to be able to pull together this work that you've done, as we all know, as we all have, have done in the past. But just the process of interviewing, I think it was three months from my first conversation out of the seven months was actively talking to people. And one of my takeaways, like lightweight takeaways there was like, maybe don't interview with so many companies. Like it's cool to have the time off and be able to like spend that time really exploring. But the actual amount of effort involved in running a full interview loop is like exhausting as I'm sure lots of folks listening know. So just really focus in on, hey, what are the things that most align with all the things that I've sort of structured and put together as the things I care about and just go hard for that. I personally am not a huge fan. I mean, I know we all got to tell our story and we got to update our portfolio, but it's so it's so weird that we get excited as designers when it comes to designing other people's problems or solving them. But then when it comes to our own portfolio, we are like, ah, we shy away from designing it. One of the things I've been experimenting is um, this guy I worked with many, many moons ago. He had this thing where every December, you know, that's when most of the holidays come in. He would take some time and then spend that all of December on weekends and stuff, just updating his portfolio so that when all the stuff is fresh with him, like he remembers the project and stuff, he can just create that portfolio rather than wait and be like, okay, now I got updated. So we try to do that. Haven't had much success, but uh, if by the end of the year, I can even update my portfolio. Let's stick with it together. It's a, it's a community effort. Well, you recently just updated your portfolio because you recently got a job. So I'm probably sure you got the whole thing up and done at least for like the next few years. Good to go. Let's hope. Fingers crossed. So when you originally decided to take the sabbatical, did you really think that it's going to be seven months or you just said that, let me just start with one month and see where it goes? Yes. It was much more the latter. It was like, I don't even know what this is, but really the only decision I had to make was I'm not going to get a job before I end this job, which is a tough decision to make, right? Like you have to have all those things lined up to like be able to say that's okay. Because who knows? I mean, and it's a rough job market right now. There may not be a next job for a while, right? That's a real thing. So that was it. I was like, okay, I have some things that I want to think about. I have some interesting ideas I kind of want to explore, right? Like I want to prototype some things. That's a big learning from that uh, Design Your Life book is like, hey, instead of just sort of like jump it, the classic example I'll share from the book is like, somebody's worked all their life in an office. They just dream about opening a yoga studio because they love yoga. And they actually go open a yoga studio and they realize it's not just doing yoga. You have to like run a business, which is very different than doing yoga. <laughs> and so the whole idea of like follow your passion, you know, there's a lot of talk about that, but can be kind of flawed in that way. So when I was thinking about this, I was like, okay, like this will be an opportunity for me to prototype, like they say in Design Your Life, a few different things that might be interesting to me and really viscerally feel what that's like, as opposed to kind of like fantasizing about it while I'm sitting at a desk. Can you give examples? Yeah, absolutely. So I was a ski bum. I went to Lake Tahoe and did snowboarding a lot. <laughs> I spent, I was a, a full-time dad for a while. I was like, what if I just spend all my time with my kids? Like, which was amazing. But ultimately I was like, okay, I need something to kind of balance this. I uh, did some consulting work. I was like, okay, what if I do the freelance thing for a little bit and had some, some great experiences with that. And yeah, I just kind of trying these different things, right? Like the whole idea of like, Hey, I'm just going to be a professional snowboarder for a while. <laughs> sounds amazing. Like it even sounds to be amaz- amazing to me right now, but feeling it, it's like, okay, there's something missing here, right? Like I know what it feels like now because I've tried it. And so now I can incorporate that into my mental model every time I 
either fantasize about this or consider in the future. Same is true of maybe more practical things like consulting, right? Now I know what that's like. Now I can incorporate that into my future decision-making. So the prototyping was massive. And I very much recommend that idea of like, yeah, it's good on paper, but make sure you feel it before you go all in. I love that. And the reason is because when I took that sabbatical, I tried a bunch of different things as well, similar to what you were saying. Not skiing part, because I did try that this year in Colorado, and I do suck at it. Like, really, really suck. So <laughs> it's just about having fun. That's the most important part. I was the first time I was doing it. And my biggest fear was like, you know, the instructor keeps telling you that, hey, you can pull your hamstring and all these things if you don't listen. So half the time, I was just afraid, like, just want to make sure, like, you know, I come out of this alive. But some things that I tried were at the time, I was really influenced by a lot of things that people are doing on Twitter. Like, hey, somebody sold a course and generated like hundreds of thousands of dollars in passive income, or somebody became a YouTuber, and then they were doing a bunch of things with that. So I tried a lot of these different things to kind of figure out, like, can I go full time on it? Some people were trying to like monetize their podcast. So I tried all these things, like you said, prototyping, and I realized like, oh my God, like, I do not like this. And in some cases, I do liked it, but without the pressure of like monetizing it. So like, for example, I do like podcasting when I don't have to worry about monetizing it. So then it became this like, like when I figured out for me what a good setup is like having a full-time job and then having all these side projects where I don't necessarily have to worry about like, how am I going to pay the bills? So that was like the conclusions that came from, from my prototyping phase. That's really interesting. Do you think that's because it offered you some sort of safety or the ability to do it over a longer period of time or stability? Where did that come from? So even when I was taking the sabbatical, I mean, I was off from the full-time income, but I still was like, doing teaching and a bunch of other things that were bringing in money lesser than what I was making full-time, but I was still bringing in money. So I was not necessarily worried about like, hey, how I'm going to make the ends meet. But then what I realized for me was this thing where I like doing podcasting, like chatting with you right now, but there's nowhere am I ever worried about like, how on earth do I monetize this episode right now? How do I like, like, I just enjoy talking with cool people and that's what I really enjoy. But then when I was thinking about like, what if I do this full-time right? Like this is the only thing I do, cut everything out. I started hating this thing. I was like, oh my God, like now, because then what happens is everything that you do has to be like somehow contribute to the bottom line. So for example, if this podcast was my only thing that was bringing in money, like that was like a full-time job, then, oh, me and Ben are going to talk about today about taking a career sabbatical. The first question is not whether this topic is interesting. It's more of like, will that get views? Will that be hot? Will that be trending? Will that go viral? And everything comes from that filter for the most part, not always. But so then it becomes this thing where like, I cannot have an intellectual conversation with you just for the fun of it. Because if it's not contributing to the downloads or views or something, you got to chuck it. I get what you're saying though. Like that idea that there's so much more that kind of comes with the thing that seems interesting. I worked at YouTube for a while. I got to work with a ton of creators that on the surface just looked kind of famous and happy, right? And below was just some of the hardest working people I've ever met. I mean, like you run this channel, it's incredible the amount of work that it takes to pull it off, especially in addition to other things that you do with your business. And it's not super glamorous always, and it's very difficult. So that's the whole point of prototyping is like, get a feel for that. Like you might love it. You might say it's totally worth to do the hard stuff to get the stuff that seems a little shinier, but without trying it out, you won't know. And to your point, I also got to see behind the scenes with some famous design YouTubers, behind the scenes, like what really goes on. And just like you said, with the yoga analogy, and I'm like, okay, I like the concept of this yoga, but I don't want to run a studio. Same way, like I like this concept of having conversations, but then like running a whole business around it. What advice would you give to folks who are listening right now and 
they are, you know, maybe burned out or contemplating for maybe personal reasons that, hey, I want to take some break, uh, sabbatical, just think about things. Having gone through all of this yourself, what would you tell them? Yeah. I mean, well, the first thing I would say is what we talked about earlier, which is like, there's a lot of societal pressure and stigma just around this idea and try to unpack that a little bit, right? Not saying one way or another, but like examine that and see how it fits into your life and see if it's actually true or if it's kind of a constraint or a fear that you're sort of just assuming. And then the second bit is, you know, maybe you can take a break from work. Maybe you can't, but the idea of intentionality and taking some time at least to reflect, even if you're full-time employed is just so valuable, right? And it kind of puts you, the way I describe the feeling after going through this process was I just felt a lot more in control, right? And I'm going to make bad decisions all the time, right? I'm going to make tons of mistakes with what I do, but having knowing that I was thoughtful about the criteria and knowing about like, so for example, I just started a new job and not every day is amazing. It's a very good job. I like it a lot, but I know what I'm there for, right? I know what I, what I want to get out of it. And oftentimes, you know, we get into the situation where we have kind of the honeymoon phase at the new job and it's sweet and everything's great and everybody's so smart. And then maybe you just have a bad day or like something doesn't go well, or one of your projects is like taking way longer than you thought. And it's like, well, why, why am I spending my time doing this? It doesn't seem right. And then you can look back and say, like, if you don't have that structure going in, it's like, well, why am I doing this? I don't know. But if you have that structure, it's like, well, the reason I got here was A, B, and C. This is what I was looking for. This is what I'm getting out of it. If those two things still match up, you're good. If there start to be some misalignment or it's like, oh, this isn't exactly what I thought it was going to be, then you might want to take another look. But maybe don't do that every day. You know, like one of the biggest pieces of advice, like you're in a job and you're like, maybe things aren't going so well today. Like don't relitigate that all the time of like, should I be here? Should I not be here? Set a time horizon. That's one thing I did and say like, okay, well, I'm committed to be here for at least this long. Maybe that's 10 years or five years or a week, like whatever is comfortable for you. But I'm going to wait at least that long before I start like messing with myself about, am I in the right place? Do I want to do something different? Because that, you know, as much as it's kind of torturous, right? Like if you're always in that headspace. And then I found at least for me, it puts me in a spot where I'm not as engaged. I'm not doing my best work and that's not good for anybody. So having that structure is super helpful. And just one last question. One fear that folks might have is like, how do you answer that question when the hiring manager, the recruiter, someone asks you like, hey, there's this like seven month break. Like what happened there? How did you tackle that? Or how would you advise people to tackle that? I would say number one, don't worry about it as much as you maybe already are. I think that's an easy shortcut, but for folks who can prove their craft, who are good at their job, who have like a rational reason for taking a break, it's not my reason, right? It's like whatever you want to do during that time, as long as it's intentional and thoughtful and you can explain it, I think that's a really, you know, appropriate thing. And I had no recruiters check in and say like, oh, actually we see a break here in your, in your LinkedIn, that's going to be a problem. It's like, no, it's like focus on the stuff you bring to the table, the value add to the company. And if you want to, you know, I include some of them in on like what I did during this break. Like I did some consulting was kind of interesting. I prototyped some different stuff. And here's why I have such conviction about, I want to come and work with you because I had that time to reflect. I think it's a really powerful signal. Thank you, Ben, so much for coming on the show, sharing your wisdom, and most importantly, inspiring people that, hey, taking a career break or sabbatical is okay. It's my pleasure. It's awesome to be here. Great to talk to you. And uh, like I said, I'm not like a big content creator. I just wrote this. So maybe it would help some folks. So I hope it helps some folks out there and uh, have any more conversations. I've had some great conversations about this stuff with folks. So how can people reach out to you? If they're listening to this, they're like, hey, I had a question. I'm about to do this. How can we contact Ben? 
can reach me on Twitter at bhuggins, B-H-U-G-G-I-N-S, or my uh, website is hug.in, like my last name. Thanks, Ben. My pleasure. Thanks. If you made it this far, you are what I call a Design MBA super fan. And I've got a gift for you, my super fan. Head over to designmba.show where you will find my email address. Email me one thing you learned from this podcast episode and I will get on a 30-minute call with you and help you in your career goals. See you in the next episode.